Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. So hi, everybody. Welcome to this morning, Church Today. I'm Craig Lockwood. Um, Glenn is on vacation. Good for him. So I'm going to be here doing this, speaking for a couple of weeks. And um, I'm. Uh, some of you are already probably introduced to the subject of using your imagination in connection with your meditation and the Word of God. But that's where I'm headed for the next two weeks. And so this morning I'm going to talk about the imagination and <clears throat> it's, uh, it's how important it is. It's a great gift from God. And um, sometimes we don't use it in a way that's redemptive. Um, sometimes our imagination is hijacked by other things that drag us away from God. But um, I'm hoping to kind of um, pique your interest in becoming more involved uh, in integrating your imagination into your um, connection to God. So I want to start with a story. Um, there, there is a uh, one of the 15th century saints was named Saint Ignatius, and he had, he had a certain way of engaging the scripture, and that was by having his disciples choose a character within a story and enter the story from that point of view and um, walk through the story as if that you were that person. And um, you try to engage your five senses. What did I see? What did I hear? What did I smell? Um, and what was it like to be there? And so I, um, I was participating in that type of meditation with the, feed, the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And I chose to be the kid with the fish and the loaves. And so um, I, was, I was imagining being there, imagining the crowd, imagining Jesus telling people to sit in groups of 50 and 100. And then, he, and then he's, um, one of the disciples came over to me and said, or he said, where's the food? And I said, I have some. And so a disciple came and got it, took me to Jesus. And Jesus said, did your mother pack this food for you? So Sometimes your imagination can take you off script, but um, I, I, I said, yeah, and Jesus said, what a, what a wonderful mom you have that would care for you and send you here with something to eat. And the most unexpected thing happened at that very moment. I, I felt this warmth enter me um, that was just so, um, I don't know, it was just so loving and kind and warm, and I believe it was a mother's love. And one of the things that I was had been deficit of in my growing up years is having that kind of sense of a loving mother, because my mom was kind of aloof. And what happened that day was there was an impartation 
for me that I can still enter as I um, as I kind of go back to that story, and it's it had a lasting effect on my sense of who God is and uh, my my sense of being loved by God, and that was a very powerful experience for me. And the reason I'm telling that story is because it had to do with um, an imaginative approach to the Word of God. So, and I'm going to ask the question, what is the imagination? All of you know what it is, because you have one, right? You probably, any of us who have daydreamed know what imagination is. But it is the capacity to form mental images that are not available to the five senses. So it's evoking something that is not present in the present moment. It's a creative process, and it aids us in um, abstracting, meaning we can, we can conceptualize things that are not known to us. We can create things, and it, it helps us to transcend beyond the five-sense world into um, the, the realm of the Spirit, the realm of God. Um, it's also a right-brain process, as opposed to a left brain process. Right brain is more loosey-goosey. Left brain is more linear and rational. And it has the power, our imagination has the power to engage us in a deeper way. It has the power to engage our emotions more than um, thinking, discursive thought. All of us have probably had a dream where we woke up and it stayed with us because of the imagery for a day, for a week, for a month. And some of us have dreams that we can remember from our childhood. So it's been, it's been years. So the imagination is a very powerful faculty. So I'm going to make a statement here that um, <clears throat> I'm not going to try to defend, but um, I'll just let you sit with it. And that is that I believe that it, the use of the imagination and the imaginative faculty is actually sometimes more powerful in terms of connecting with God and having an experience with God than study, which is more of a, a head um, activity. So in that way, our imagination is also very helpful in um, our transformation, our becoming more like Jesus, especially if it helps us get in touch with the love of God. So, the imagination is also, it's a faculty or it's a capability of the soul. So I want to kind of broaden this a little bit and ask the question, what is the soul? According to scripture, and there's the first slide, please. Genesis 2.7 says, Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being, or other translations, a living soul. So the soul is, um, it's, it's kind of the whole of us, our being. It, it has many capacities. And uh, I, have a, I have a friend, J.P. Moreland, he's an apologist, and he has a great analogy for the soul that helps us kind of understand it better. And he says it's like, uh, if you can imagine a dresser drawer, 
uh, a dresser full of drawers. The soul is like that. Um, it is. It has capabilities and faculties that uh, aid us in much that we do. So, for example, um, one of the drawers helps us, gives us our sense and our ability to feel. Our feelings and our, our deep heart are what actually motivate us. Um, we are motivated by what we know, but in the deep heart, our feelings are often what really uh, move us towards one thing or another. The drawer is also gives us the ability to think and to abstract and to be logical and rational, to understand how all the parts fit into the whole. And that is more of a rational <clears throat> part um, aspect of the soul. In the soul is also our free will, our choice, our ability to choose. And within the soul is the ability to imagine. So the, the, the important thing about imagination is it is a transcendent faculty. It helps us to go beyond what we see in our five-sense world. It helps us to look into the future. Um, if you think about it, you can't really hope for something without imagining that it's there. And so... Um, <clears throat> It's very important that we, um, as Western Christian um, believers, um, open ourselves to the use of the imagination, because the the Christian Church in the West tends to um, value highly value study of the Scripture, and um, to treat it uh, exegetically. So we 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 ask, what did it mean to the original hearers? How can we bring that forward into our culture? How can we apply it? And it's all about context and meaning in the Greek and so on. But that has that is very important for theology, but it has it has its limitations in terms of our personal experience with God in prayer. And so the imagination is uh, something important for us to... Um, to embrace. I want to go back for a minute to the, the dresser drawer analogy and, and talk about the drawer of the Spirit. Um, God's Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, um, the, the word for Spirit is breath or wind. And so when we, um, when the Holy Spirit engages with us, the Holy Spirit breathes on our capacity, our human spirit, and then that human, that spirit engages us with the imagination, and the imagination then helps us to understand what God is saying to us. So that so there's a link between the imagination and hearing from God in whatever way you do that. An example of that is some of the ministry gifts. So um, when... Uh, when a, a power gift or a ministry gift is manifest, um, it is that process. God's spirit breathing on our spirit and then knowledge emerging through a picture or an, a, a feeling or some other way of knowing, an impression 
And so I'm going to read a list of, of um, manifestations of ministry gifts. So word of knowledge where you know, where you, know um, you have actually wisdom in how to solve a problem for somebody. A prophecy, you, God shows you something that is for a future or for really the, the, um, the best use of prophecy is encouragement. So if I know something about you that nobody could know, then you know that God knows you. And so that's a really uh, encouraging and helpful manifestation. Word of wisdom, visions, praying in tongues, interpretation of tongues, um, often when somebody's speaking, they'll say, I don't know where that came from, but that was probably the Spirit moving in them, giving them inspiration in the moment. It is by using our imagination that we, we walk in faith. Um, next slide, please. Um, listen to this definition of faith from Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So, in other words, what's that saying is we have to imagine what we're hoping for so that we can hang on to it until it comes into the present. And that's the, the imagination is required to do that. When Deb and I first got saved, we, we came into um, the kingdom through this, the faith movement. Um, some, some of you might know that as name and claimant. And um, there was a lot of emphasis on prosperity. And so we would, I remember one day we went to somebody's house and there was an empty spot in the driveway. And they said, um, we started to walk. And they said, don't, you can't walk there. That's where my Cadillac is parked, you know. And um, that's kind of a misdirected use of the imagination. But that was the, the, that was, that's kind of an example of what I'm talking about. Um, we imagine something to be true, and sometimes that gets us in trouble, right? Some of us have solutions for God that we want him to do, and we imagine it, and then we're disappointed if it doesn't come to pass. But the reality is you cannot walk in faith without ha- using your imagination to trust, trust in God. It's by this same... Um, managed a faculty that we hear God's voice, that in prayer we receive a communication from him. So you remember Peter's vision. Um, hmm. You remember when Peter was sitting on Simon the Tanner's rooftop and he was a good Jew and he was only ministering to the Jewish people. And the, the vision communicated to him through symbol, um, go and talk to the Gentiles. Everybody is qualified. And um, God, and, and I imagine he resisted that at first, um, and God gave it to him three times to communicate that he was to go and, and minister to the house of Cornelius. And a little while later... Knock on the door. Cornelius had, in a vision, received information that he was supposed to send somebody to get uh, Peter. 
And then all kinds of stuff happened when he went there, right? The Holy Spirit fell on them, and they began speaking in tongues before they were even um, had confessed Jesus. So out there's there's some theology out the window for good evangelicals um, and good Pentecostals. But anyway, um, all of that happened um, through the imaginative faculty. God moved Peter beyond his comfort zone by communicating in a way that that was uh, evidence for him of what God was asking him to do. So there are other many other Christian activities that um, require the imagination. Uh, so when we meditate on the Word of God and it gives a general principle, and we ask ourselves. How does that apply to me? Then we're using our imagination, right? We have to imagine how we might bring that more personally into our life. Um, God directs us through dreams, visions, impressions, many other ways, um, even interpreting life's circumstances. So my, my son was trying to figure out whether or not he was supposed to move to Oregon and he likes to go to the, he lives in Southern California. And he, uh, <clears throat> he was at the beach and um, he said, God, I just need a sign, you know. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I, I need, so um, right as he said that, he opens his eyes and a whole pod of dolphins um, emerged playing in the waves. And because um, he's, he's a Pisces, he's a fish sign, he, he took that as a sign that God was hearing him. Um, he and I came up here to visit. We're at, uh, we, we actually met Glenn at uh, a, a restaurant just to connect with him. And somebody that had, he had not seen for four years, a girl that he used to work with, showed up um, in the store um, and they met. And she also works at Trader Joe's where he works. And that was a big sign as well. So, but it takes the imagination to say, God is connected to these things. God is, God is the one who is putting this together. Um, we enriching, uh, you know, God helps us through storytelling, right? We engage with storytelling to form meaning and to be drawn into God's plan and his purposes. And if you think about it, getting the point of the parables of Jesus, you've got to use your imagination. Otherwise, you don't get far. So the trick or the, the important thing is um, there, are certain, there are certain presuppositions that we, or, op, or attitudes or um, orientations that we need to have if we're going to be open to using the imagination or, or to how God uses it. And so for the first one is, and some of these are obvious, but I'm going to say them anyway. The first one is to be open to God speaking. Um, do you believe that God is in this day willing to speak to you? Um, and beyond that, are you willing to hear his voice? Is there, is there any way in which you resist God 
Are you afraid of what he's going to say? So the first thing is be open, right? Second one is we need to make space to hear God. Um, it's very important that we practice, um, that we um, sort of shut down our five senses at times by practicing solitude, silence, retreat, however it is, whether it's a long one and a formal one somewhere else, or whether you do it at home in a chair, uh, in your favorite prayer chair, we, we need to make space for God to speak to us. Third one is, um, we all of us need to know how God speaks to us uniquely, because it's different for everybody. For some it's impressions, for some it's not many of us, literally hearing God's voice, audible voice. Um, for some of it, it's dreams, visions. It's some of it's it's seeing a license plate that sends a message. You know that um, we use our imagination to interpret meaning for us, and to begin to be open to using your imagination. And the you know where I'm going with this is. Um, I'm thinking mostly, as, I, as I'm talking about the imagination, about how it can be used in conjunction with Scripture. Um, so study is good, but also imaginative meditation is good, and that's where we're going to be going next week. Um, but it's to begin to use and be open to the imaginative faculty in our relationship with God. I want to talk for a minute about the transcendent nature of the imagination. So, um, the scripture said, none of us have ever seen God. And so that makes God, um, you know, the whole subject of our faith. Uh, it has an aspect of mystery to it, right? In other words, we don't, we don't know and we don't see fully we, we see through a glass darkly. But the imagination has the power to form um, or conceptualize be, um, beyond our five-sense world. And that makes it, that makes it really important to us because it, has, it, has, it gives us the capacity to carry communication from God, which transcends our individual worldview and, our, and the way that we know ourselves and give us new information that can change our lives and help us enter into this, um, this um, desire that God has for us for our hearts to be transformed. So it's the imagination is a vehicle through which a person incorporates new truth, meaning, identity, and virtue from God into the soul. William Payne calls this the true imagination, or the true use of the imagination. I'm going to read a, another slide. Um, I'll just read this. You can read it along on the slide. She says, the truly imaginative experience is defined, therefore, as an intuition of the real. In other words, we discern what is actually true. It is the acknowledgement of objective realities, those outside the self, in their transcendent, unseen dimensions. 
perhaps we could say, in their essence. It is that which, when received, enlarges and completes us, for it speaks and unites with some lonely facet of our own being. And, you know, um, one of the big things about sin is that it separates us from God, and that creates a loneliness in us. And so part of this idea of the use of imagination is God connecting with us and healing our loneliness spiritually. All true worship, knowledge, and art come out of this. It is the experience of receiving from God, whether by word, vision, or greatest of all, an infilling of himself. So it's through the imagination that the eyes of our heart see beyond the natural and unite with Jesus. So again, next slide. So it's through the imagination that we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So our imagination helps us maintain an eternal perspective, which is, which the scripture says, if we do that, what the one who does that purifies himself or herself because we have an eye on the end, right? And we read that end in the present and that helps us to live for God in the moment. So through this kind of encounter, a person's perspective is set in order. So there's, so there's a big but here, though. Um, but the imagination is a double-edged sword, right? Because it can either be set on higher things or it can be set on lower things. And <clears throat> sometimes our imagination can drag us away from God. Um, as we imagine things that are possibly going to happen to us that may never happen to us, causing us to live in fear, maybe depression, causing us to lose hope, causing us to live life as if there weren't a God. And so those, the, uh, one of the things it's important to do is to train ourselves to use our imagination to be set on God. And that's, I think, one of the big things that um, one of the big gifts of our imagination is it helps us to stay connected to God if we use it properly. So one of the poor uses of imagination is imagining how I'm going to take revenge, you know. Um, <clears throat> and I think all of you, uh, I'm not going to dwell on that, but um, one of the, one of the, one of the, uses of the imagination that is hurtful to people is not not just sexual lust, although pornography is rampant now, but lusting after many things, shopping, um, whatever it is that you might conceive and um, plan in your mind to uh, how to make money, um, how to control people. 
So I used to imagine when I would feel shame, what I should have said to put that person in their place. You know, those kinds of imaginings are probably not very helpful. We want to use our imagination to um, pursue God. And one of the things that um, I think has hurt the Christian church is there has been a movement historically of um, sort of hysteria about the use of imaginations by certain Christians saying that it's new age, saying that it's not of God. But I really think if you, if you really think about it, and the reason why I'm giving this talk today is to help you, to try to encourage you, that really is a gift from God. It can be misused, yes. Um, it's, not, it's not a good thing to um, imagine spirit guides and then to be engaged by demons. I mean, that's not a good thing. But um, one of the important things about the Scripture is it tells us generally what is true about God and what his intentions are. And that's what we sent our imagination on. So, okay, so what? We're almost done here. But so what? Um, so next week, we're going to, um, I'm going to talk to you about a prayer meditation style called Lectio Divina on it's a way to approach the word that that um, we let the word of God evoke in us meaning it it draws out of us calls out of us the truth about what's in our heart rather than trying to study the word of God for mastery we let the word of God speak to us and master us ask questions of us and so we're going to talk about that but that is an imaginative process. And so um, all of this to say, I'm trying to give you a background to prepare you for something that you might not be comfortable with next week. Um, but I would encourage you to come back and um, it'll be, I'm going to talk a little bit about the heart next week. Um, why, do we, why do we want the Holy Spirit to evoke what's in our heart? Because the heart is deceptive. Um, Jesus said, out of the heart comes a lot of bad stuff. What, a man, what comes out of a man's mouth comes out of his heart, according to Jesus. So it is, as the Word of God evokes what's in our heart, we have, it comes up and we have a chance to see what's there. And then we can dialogue with God about it. So um, that's, But that's next week. So the, the conclusion um, for today... To sanctify our imagination means to recognize the imaginative faculty as a gift from God and yield it to be engaged by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit for receiving transcendent and transforming knowledge from God. This puts off self-centered use of the imagination, which is driven by the sin nature and leads a person towards death. So um, I want to, I have one last quote for you, and then I have a little exercise we're going to do. Um, are you all familiar with Oswald's, Oswald Chambers? So he said this about the imagination. He said, is your imagination stayed on God or is it starved? There's a slide for this um, somewhere. 
in there. Okay. Um, is your imagination stayed on God or is it starved? The starvation of the imagination is one of the most fruitful sources of exhaustion and sapping in, in a worker's life. If you, ever, if you have never used your imagination to put yourself before God, begin to do it now. The imagination is the greatest gift God has given, and it ought to be devoted entirely to him. Okay, so um, here's what I'd like you to do. Put down your cell phone um, and close your eyes. And I want you to take a couple of deep breaths. And begin to focus on God. And um, you remember the story, the stories of John the Baptist would be down by the Jordan. It's It's usually about as white as this room, kind of green in color. And he was there, and there were crowds, and they would come to be baptized for repentance. And some of um, the future disciples of Jesus were there before they had seen Jesus. And so I want you to imagine that you are one of those disciples. That you're there watching the baptism. You're there wondering about God. You've heard him talk about the man whose sandals he's not worthy of untying. And now I'm going to read to you out of um, the Gospel of John, verses 35 and through 37, or through 38. And I want you to put yourself into this story as one of the disciples, as if you were there. The next day, John was there again with two of the disciples. You're one of them. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So you're following Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them. He sees you. And he asks, what do you want? I just want you to sit with that for a minute. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.